Artism Podcast, where we explore creativity, inspiration, and the determination it takes to be an artisan. This podcast is for artisans, by artisans. I'm your host, Kathy Duraghi, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to our next guest. Welcome to the Artisan Podcast. Today, I am joined by Joe Zito, a longtime friend uh, of artisans, longtime talent of artisans, and even before that, uh, for nine years, one of our uh, most valued team members and recruiters at Artisan. So we go way, way back. And I'm thrilled to have Jo on the call today to really share her experience of starting and really thriving in her freelance career as a proofreader and copy editor. With that, I'd love to introduce you all to Joe Zito. Welcome, Joe. But really just wanted to, you know, wanted to have this conversation because, you know, as long as I've known you, you've been a writer and you've been writing, um, but that was not your career mm-hmm. you know, in, the, in the first several years that we knew each other and we worked with one another. And I just found it fascinating that you made that transition. And not only did you make the transition into freelance work, but you made the transition into a very successful freelance work where you're working with some really big brands and you're always in demand. And I just thought that that uh, that journey would be so interesting to people, especially now mm. with what's happened with COVID. So many people have lost their jobs. So many people yeah. are, or just even, you know, evaluating what it is that they want to do next. Yep. So just kind of wanted you to share <laughs> your journey, how you started as a creative um, and let's just go from there. Okay. Um, well, I, first off, don't think of myself as a creative per se, um, not a working creative, not a, not a professional creative per se, but more like, uh, for lack of a better term outside of a real estate term, creative adjacent. Okay. <laughs> Cause I'm, uh, you know, what I have done in my career in the last 10 years is I have, um, been able to work pretty steadily as a freelance proofreader and editor. Um, and the writing has always been a uh, part of something I've done since a little kid, writing everything from like songs and singing them to like stories to plays. Um, although I've only ever had one play produced that was in the fourth grade. So I can't really say, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm very proud of that play because it was like a competition and I wrote it and it was called George and drugs because I loved George Michael. <laughs> George and drugs? Yeah, and it was called George and drugs. It's basically, it, this is during the time of the, um, you know, uh, the anti-drug campaign by the Reagans and mm. stuff. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I have always found I'm, was all, you know, we, we've worked together, I guess, full disclosure, Katy and I, Katy was my boss and friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, we worked together for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I have worked as a recruiter. I had worked as a recruiter for a dozen years. 
Um, I actually went back and counted all the time. Thanks, LinkedIn, for you know the 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 nitty gritty and, and <laughs> being able to count like all the months. Um, and when I when I transitioned, it was just kind of like when I pivoted to to editing, it was just kind of like a natural flow. Um, and quite honestly, you know, you were one of the first jobs. You know, we I do internal things, right? We yeah. had our internal, like our website, our this, that, you know, just internal memos that we would send out our, our Christmas presents, you know, the little card that would go yeah. with the Christmas gifts. Like I was a proofreader and editor for that. So it started off that way. And, um, and as I was helping people, uh, during the great recession in 2009, helping yeah. my, um, my friends and, and, and former talent, you know, uh, even that we had worked with that artist and helping them out with their resumes, um, just kind of being like, all right, this is more than just putting on my recruiter hat, but putting on an editor's hat and seeing what is the most effective way to communicate your skills. And I'm finding that now I am in the position again where people are asking me, oh, for help and tips on their resume, on their portfolios, which I'm always, you know, so honored to do because I haven't done this work in so long, but for someone to trust me to do that is great. Um, and honestly, I started taking my own medicine, so to speak, uh, when mm -hmm. I was a recruiter, you know, I would always tell our talent, keep your resume updated, you know, keep your portfolio updated with great projects. And if you don't have that opportunity, um, do spec work, like take a mm -hmm. brand. And I would always tell, you know, we would have fresh new college grads and they're like, well, no one will give me a chance. So how do I do it? And I said, okay, what are some of your five, your top five brands that you love? How would you help them get better notice? Like what commercial would you make? What different logo would you put on? Like do that spec work and kind of go through the process of working that way. And so that's what I did. I, uh, you know, updated my resume, did a total overhaul of everything that was relevant or not. And, um, you know, beefed up my LinkedIn. And because as a recruiter, I had so many connections before, um, just kind of putting feelers out there. And uh, I think this is, you know, 10 years ago, LinkedIn was not quite what it is now. Mm -hmm. um, and back then, if you were just kind of active and just reaching out to people, I think people really appreciated it. Yeah. Um, and you had access. Now, yeah. And I had access. Yeah. And I had access. And that was important. And um, from there, you know, you get, it's like a stepping stone. You get one project. And you're like, okay, I'm going to take this project on. Uh, maybe it's a trial project. Maybe I don't even get paid for it. Um, but at least I've made a connection and I can help someone out. Uh, like there was a woman who reached out to me and said, can you help me with the resume, my resume? I said, great. Yeah, no problem. Um, she was a senior project manager. And then the next thing I knew, she contacted me and was like, hey, uh, I have this proof job and can you help me out with this nice for two weeks and I was like yeah sure uh because you've already established a relationship yeah where you are trustworthy and you're reliable so yeah. and with the brands oh sorry go ahead I was gonna say it just it, well creating relationships uh, it's it's a two-way street so the fact that you had helped her 
in one instance. I mean, those things go a long way. And I think people sometimes forget. People sometimes forget like, you know, the question, like what's in it for me? And yeah. if we could just step out of that mindset is really important. Right? Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of times it's, um, you know, one, one thing is you just kind of have to give to, and hope that yeah. maybe someday you'll receive. And if you don't, then that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. one, one funny thing that I did recently was I was reading ad week, um, and they had a, a funny campaign, a funny spot. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. Who did this spot? And it's this agency. They're not even in California. And they did this funny spot. I thought it was great. So I checked out their website, um, saw a couple of typos on their website, <laughs> took a screenshot. And then with my you know, PDF markup page. I was like, okay, change this word. Here's a typo. Da, da, da. And then I put a note. If you want to see more, or you could use someone like me, give me a call. <laughs> you know, just Smart. sent it to them. Yeah. You know, as just kind of like um, as a calling card. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people just kind of don't know you from Adam, right? And they're just like, I don't know, you're like seven degrees removed from me, or mm-hmm. I don't even need this person. But uh, sometimes it's, you know, obviously they needed someone to take at least one spin on their website mm-hmm. to find those typos. Um, and yeah, that's kind of reaching out and putting yourself out there. It's funny, you say you're not a creative, you don't look at yourself as a creative, but that is such a creative way of reaching out to people. <laughs> Connecting. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I I um, had this conversation recently with Ryan about um, we both took this Adobe Create uh, quiz, like what mm-hmm. kind of creative type are you? Mm-hmm. And I got Dreamer, and he got Innovator, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not sure I'm a creative." And I was like, "Of course you're a creative." And um, when I told him that, then I was like, "Oh wait, that means I'm a creative too." <laughs> but what I meant was, you're not necessarily a working creative, but you are creative as an adjective. Yeah. Um, because I don't think of myself as a creative, as a noun, but as an adjective, sure. Uh, because there are ways that they're, you know, th- reaching out to this company through their website is a way that I felt like I was creative or finding little shortcuts to, to get around traffic. <laughs> like the, there, there's creativity in every, there's a chance for creativity in everything mm-hmm. that you do. Um, but yeah, so that was a that was a fun quiz to see, and that's a, I think a great perspective of looking at it as a noun versus an adjective, mm. um, because you're absolutely right. I mean, some people are in the profession of being a creative, which is always what I've always looked at you as uh, on the writer side and on, on the copy side of it. Um, and I think there's a lot of creativity that comes with editing. And you see things the way that other people just don't see it. And the fact that you see it the, that way makes that copy a better, a better piece oh, for the client. It, it, but it's the truth. It's the truth. So um, maybe not in the traditional sense of having a paintbrush in your hand. Maybe it's that, <laughs> maybe, maybe not that way. Yeah, I, I'm or, definitely no, no one's idea of a Photoshop artist. <laughs> But if you remember in, the, in our artisan days, and I still use this to this day, when people ask me if I'm in, if I'm a creative myself, I say no, uh, I'm a creative groupie. Ah, creative yeah. groupie. Yeah. So you're <laughs> yeah. creative adjacent, and I'm a creative yeah. groupie. <laughs> so I use I prefer the real estate lingo, and you prefer the rock and roll lingo. That's right. 
<laughs> That's right. But you, you also write. Um, maybe you don't have the time to write on your own these days because you have been so busy, but there have been times when we've spoken and you've, you've been taking creative writing courses and just really being immersed in your own writing. Where are you with that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I try to take one writing course, at least one writing course, um, a year. Uh, and I find that, um, I'm a big nerd. I do well in class. You know, I, I like the, uh, a structure where there's an, um, where there's an instructor, there's fellow classmates. You know, I, I, I've written some short stories and taken poetry classes and things like that, but I don't have anything published. Mm. Um, and I have thought about kind of like, is, is that even something that I want to do? Uh, cause a lot of times what I've written is like very personal. Um, and I'm not sure I'm ready quite yet to put it out there. I mean, I'll workshop it and share it with, with, uh, my classmates, of course. And what I, the feedback I often get is the stuff that's like really difficult. They love, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like it took me like, you know, six months to write these two pages. And this is the one that you, you guys love. What about this one? It's 20 pages. What about this one? You know, and they're just like, eh, that one's okay. But the other one is, is a winner. Because why? Because it was vulnerable because it forced you to go somewhere that you don't usually go. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I think it's, it's one of those things where you have to deal with, um, getting back to relationship, um, either relationship with myself or relationship with others that have been difficult. And so I think when you have something like that, um, it takes, I feel like I edit a lot more, like I'm writing and rewriting those things, which you would think would not be so well received, but maybe because I'm putting more effort into it. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Just, uh, yeah. It's interesting to, but I love taking classes. I love taking um, writing classes and I'm taking uh, one starting in March called an accountability workshop. Hmm. And, um, and that'll be good. I, I've done something like that before where we had a creative retreat um, and it was kind of what do you want to do and setting out goals uh, because, you know, without, without a structure, uh, those are just dreams. You know, they're, they're just dreams yeah. that you want to one day accomplish. But if you put down specific goals, um, you know, uh, what, what is it? Smart goals. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the yeah. smart? Yeah. You know, and, and to have some accountability to have, to, uh, to have some metrics to, to, uh, measure against then, then you can actually potentially achieve them. Yeah. But if you're just like, Oh yeah, I want to run a marathon one day. Well, okay. There's couch to 2k or couch to 5k. Have you heard of this app? Yes. I have. <laughs> <laughs> so a friend of mine did it and was like, yeah, it's great. I, I did my first 5k or 10k or whatever it was, um, from, from that. Yeah, I, I I won't go into details, but Jamie did that. Like I think oh. he, he got out of bed and he yeah. said, "Oh, I'm going to go run the marathon <laughs> next weekend," and he did. <laughs> I don't okay, know. so for us non-Olympic athletes, <laughs> it's like okay, Crazy. first you yeah. walk a mile, then you jog a yeah. mile. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know yeah. how you, yeah, how you did. It was crazy, crazy. Um, but I'm glad you're bringing up uh, continued education. Uh, I think sometimes people uh, forget or it just gets so busy that mm. the attention isn't put on continued learning and just even to be surrounded by others who are putting in that focused time to elevate their craft. Um, mm-hmm. is a very that's a great lesson to impart on other people, especially now. Uh, and especially I think if people aren't working to that the opportunity right now for e-learning is just so mm-hmm. much to be mm-hmm. able to kind of definitely work on something to stretch their their skill sets. Okay, I gotta ask you this. The speakers yep. the the audience won't be able to know this. How come you have two separate cups that you're drinking from? <laughs> You have a blue cup. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I what have a cold water. <laughs> it's one is cold water and one is warm water. All right. So I just want yeah. you guys to know you're not seeing this, but uh, she is double fisting it there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and don't worry. Even though you know it is a Friday afternoon, it is just water. It's just water. Okay, <laughs> it's just water. Um, I am a big believer in staying hydrated, uh, and I think, yeah, I, I love the variety. <laughs> as boring as it is, warm water and cold water, but hey. <laughs> That's so funny. Hey, Joe, where, um, where do you, what are you curious about? Where do you kind of, where does that inspiration to, to write or you've always looked at the, the world in a, in my, you know, in my opinion at, at the times that I've known you about, you've always looked at the world in a very interesting perspective. There's always been a, um, layer of humor to it and, and, so where does that come from? What keeps you curious? Mm. That's warm water. Uh, no, that was the cold water. But the cold. <laughs> <laughs> what keeps me curious? That's that's great. Um, I uh, I honestly think entertaining myself one is one thing that kind of I am someone. I, this is going to sound so self-involved, but I'm never bored with myself. You know how, how Mm -hmm. people, you know, when, when, when you're little kids, you're like, oh, it's so boring or, oh, I'm so bored or whatever. I can just sit there. And my mom has told me this since I was a little kid. I could just sit there. She said, I could just put you in your high chair and it's not time for you to eat yet, but you just sit there and you just start laughing. And I have no idea what you're laughing about. <laughs> and, and I think even since then, I would just kind of tell little stories in my head. Hmm. And that is, you know, what's going on, maybe. Um, but what I'm curious about, I'm curious right now, currently, I'm curious about connection and disconnection. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm curious about, uh, there's been this, this journey I've been taking, I, I was trying to think of the right word without it sounding so cliche, <laughs> but I think journey is the best way to say of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And I think I have talked to you about this, uh, Kathy, about like meditation and how I would go to yeah. the Hammer Museum yeah. for yeah, the yeah. weekly. Yeah. And, um, and I have found that when I am able to still my mind, I am very 
I come up with some great ideas, uh, wacky, crazy, off the wall ideas. Um, but if I'm too bogged down with day-to-day tasks or just like the, you know, just like my chores or whatever, then I don't have, I feel like I don't, that inspiration doesn't visit me. Um, but if I'm somehow able to just kind of sit still and just, and it's not even emptying my mind so much as just, just sitting still, Mm -hmm. quieting it, quieting it. Mm -hmm. It's like the spigot turns on, Mm -hmm. but if you're running around and doing all these things, it's totally dry. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, so lately, you know, it's, connection, disconnection, you know, everything that's going on in the world with the pandemic, the divisiveness in the world. Um, you know, I'm, I'm currently reading two nonfiction books, which is very rare for me to be not reading, you know, uh, a short story collection or, or fiction. Uh, and I'm reading Ezra Klein's Why We're Polarized. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like, bigger national international stuff and then i'm reading a memoir called hunger by roxanne gay Mm -hmm. and kind of her journey um and uh i have found that so many parallels between the two of them uh these two books Mm -hmm. in terms of kind of like connection disconnection um and how it's almost like there's the macrocosm and then a microcosm so yeah that's what I've been interested in. Hmm. Are you writing about it yourself? Are you in the um, exploration? No, I not yet, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing I want to write about is maybe like a family history. Mm. Nothing, nothing huge, but just um, yeah, just some some stories of of growing up and also of my own family history of uh, my grandfather's. Mm-hmm. And trying to get my mom to tell me those stories. Oh, yeah. So important to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Documenting it. And what I found, you know, what I was writing, uh, what was writing my book mm-hmm. is, and I alluded to this the other day when we were on the, on the launch call, um, it reminded me of things that I had long forgotten about. And yeah. One, yeah. One memory led to something else. And it, it not only was it cathartic to write the story, but it was actually beautiful to relive some of those memories. Oh, that's wonderful. You know? Because yeah. I didn't really remember them. So, you know, there are parts of the story where I had to like go back to remembering what, how I behaved or what I did when I was eight years old. Like, I didn't, you don't think about that <laughs> on a regular basis, right? <laughs> But to to be able to remember that and, and just and then be able to feel that because you, mm. you get transported as you're thinking about it and you're contemplating and you get transported to that moment and these emotions just bubble up, which is such an odd thing. Um, but yeah, that's great, Joe. Yeah, I, I think that um, I. I remember something that one of my English professors uh, had said, which was, uh, I'm what's known as a reluctant English major Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, because I couldn't get into the film school. 
basically. I couldn't get into the film school. Um, and then at a certain point, uh, UCLA was like, you have to declare a major. You're going to be a senior. <laughs> you have to, you've taken way too many classes and everything. You have to put a focus on it. Uh, but one of my English professors had said, in order to be an English major, you need uh, two things. One uh, is the ability to see connections um, that other people may or may not see. Mm -hmm. And two is a dirty mind. <laughs> okay. I was, like, I was like, all right, done. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that I, I, you know, anyone who knows me knows that I love to make analogies. And I think it's because it helps me understand the world. And, um, and my friends would say, oh man, you're always doing those SAT analogies. Like, you know, what this is to this as that is to that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's important to me because I am trying to see the relationship between these two seemingly incongruent items and ha seeing that there is a connection there. Have you ever done a, a strengths finders assessment? I don't think I have. I've taken plenty okay. of those personality quizzes. Yeah, but take, <laughs> take take one. Take a strengths finders. It's twenty bucks for the top five and fifty bucks, I think, for the entire thirty-four. And it's something that we do here uh, all the time. Jamie is now a strengths finders um, coach, so it's it's become a big conversation for us. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah, both at home as well as at Artisan. So all the Artisan team members have taken it. We we talk about each other's strengths all the time. So there's something in there, I'll bet you, that has, it's like either called a connectedness or relator, but it's it's that. It's the person mm. who kind of can see the thread that, or is looking for that thread that goes from, point A to point B or kind of puts things together. It'd be interesting to see um, how that shows up for you. Oh, I will definitely take that. Yeah. Do it and have Ryan do it too. So you guys can have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I can already see his strengths are that he can see big picture like that, like instantaneously. And I'm kind of someone who's stuck in the weeds a little sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. with the details. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So he probably has a futuristic in him or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why he probably got innovator. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Um, and I, I joke with him. I was like, yeah, I got dreamer. I think that's just a euphemism for procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think so because every time I call you, you are super busy on some big project with some big document you're working on for a big ad agency or a very well-known client. So you can't be too much of a procrastinator. You, you dream, but you get the job done. Yes. You have that duality uh, in you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think with, with freelance, one of the hardest things uh, to pivot into was going from having um you know, you, you know, your job, you know what you have to do. Um, and you know that you'll get a paycheck every two weeks. And once I pivoted to freelance, it was like, okay, you have to do the job. That's number one. Then you also have to be this, once that's done, you have to be the 
accounting department, the finance accounting department, because you have to bill and chase after your payment. Then you have to be the sales and business development part because you have to go network and make new connections and seek out new clients. And, and um, it's a lot of work, you know, to, to do all that. And, and I think when you are, when I'm not on an active project with a deadline of like, okay, this Friday, I am seeking as, you know, currently I'm kind of like seeking new opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes it's kind of like, okay, go into this other industry that I might not know anything about. Um, But then you learn about it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I did some work with, um, with IOM, uh, which is an intergovernmental organization that deals with immigration. Mm. So, you know, dealing with reports on the immigration crises in Greece, in Turkey, um, things I read about in newspapers, but not to know like the nitty gritty of it and learning that, that really excited me to kind of have that opportunity to be like, okay, I don't know this. So let's learn it. You know, it's actually an aspect of what you do that I had never thought about. Every time you are editing or proofing something, you have an opportunity to kind of delve into an arena that you didn't know anything about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, everything from uh, the, the work itself, right, uh, yeah. is is an area that you're not familiar with. But also... Uh, I get to dip my toes, for better or worse, into the office politics of like, you know, this person sent me this project, but then their colleague also sent me this project and, you know, kind of figuring things out. And I don't know, like, oh, is is this good? Is this bad? And and having to kind of navigate those waters. Um, And then before you know it, I'm plucked out and I'm onto something else. Interesting. So I guess, I guess one of the analogies that I would tell um, talent when I was a recruiter was when you're working freelance, it's like dating someone. It's like dating a lot of different people uh, versus when you're working full time, you're in a marriage of sorts. Um, Because you you kind of know what to expect on the day to day. Of course, things come up, but there's a, a steadiness there. And it really depends on your personality. And for me, I, you know, worked several, several years as a full-time person. Um, And then basically when I got married in real life, I was like, oh, I'm ready to date in my career life. (laughs) So um, yeah, it's, it's been a great opportunity to kind of explore different industries. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think I'm very lucky to be able to do that. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Now, now that you're happily married and settled and you can date <laughs> in your professional life. <laughs> yes, because I think maybe sometimes we we need to I mean, because what what is dating except expanding yourself? Right. So maybe, you know, you do it in your professional life, in your private life, or whatever it is, but it's a, a way to kind of explore different things. Mm-hmm. So speaking of this expansion, then, uh, given that right now a lot of people have been impacted during this downturn, 
what um, what lessons learned can you share with them in terms of networking, in terms of putting themselves out there, in terms of asking for a referral business? How did you, you shared about how you went to start building your 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 practice? Mm-hmm. How do you continue that uh, as an on an ongoing basis? The the business development side of it. Um, for me, it's been it's. It's going to sound very nerdy, uh, but I have an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> of nerdy is uh, good. Process yeah. is good. Process is good. Yeah, okay. I, I think it's it's one of those things where it's like dream, right? If you're a dreamer, uh, it's just a dream unless you put some goals and metrics to it. And um, I have a, a spreadsheet with companies that I w- would love to work for or work with, um, and then I just do a Google search, a LinkedIn search of potential people that could either get my foot in the door or can introduce me to someone there. Um, And I I think that one of the hardest things during this downturn is kind of with so much going on in the world at large, it's sometimes hard to focus uh, on the nitty gritty. And, you know, I'm thinking of like a, David Allen's getting things done, right? Mm-hmm. There's like the runway, 5,000 feet, 10,000 feet, et cetera. Um, and I feel like for so long, we were like living up here in the airspace. And uh, sometimes you just need to get down onto the runway and say, okay, these are the two things I have to do today in order to reach out to someone um, who could potentially help me out here. Um, I think LinkedIn has been great, uh, as, as a connector. Um, but then I also think it's, it's kind of intimidating too. Uh, you know, especially if you're, you're like, well, who is this person? And, and, and it's, it's a landmine because now that LinkedIn has kind of transitioned into a social media of sorts, you know, people are like posting things and commenting and stuff. Um, it can become a very dangerous place, especially if you say, you know, have very extreme views that you share on there. Um, and, you know, before I think it was probably a much more milk toast site where it's like, here's my resume. I am looking for freelance opportunities in the Los Angeles metropolitan area. People are like, okay. But now they see, oh, wow, this person is like, hardcore into this or like very anti that, then sometimes they can shy away from. Um, but I think that it's important to, to make a list. I'm a big believer in lists, but, uh, to make a list of things that are, are interesting to you in a way that can help you expand your horizons. Um, So if you've always worked in, say, advertising, you've always worked in an advertising agency, don't limit yourself at looking at just at other advertising agencies. You know, uh, think about brands that you like uh, that you would want to help that you could potentially go in-house for not not necessarily on a full-time basis, but you may be on a freelance basis or just think of, you know, now that the, the, one of the great things about the 
one of the silver linings to, to last year was that a lot of people have realized remote work does work. It does. Yes. And artisans have <laughs> been doing it for so long. Yeah. They 11 years. Say, yeah. Yeah, 11. yeah. I was about to say like a, a, a decade or more. Um, and the last downturn. downturn. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, I remember. And, and, you know, because of that, I, I think it's important not to limit uh, yourself in, in thinking. I mean, that's why I reached out to that ad agency that I thought did great, funny work. They're in another state. They're like five states over. And I was like, hey, are you looking for anyone? I'm curious. Did you hear back from them? <laughs> that just happened today. Oh, today. Okay. Yeah, I that would, just happened today. I'd like to have an update. Okay. Hear back from them. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about failure and criticism, um, because I think what you said uh, is very apt. Is you have that you have that spreadsheet, you have your goal, you do reach out to people. Sometimes you will hear from them, and sometimes you won't. Right? How do you continue with that and not let it become a um, you know, how do you control that noise in, in one's head that mm-hmm. can sometimes get the better of us? Um, and just continue with your list the second yeah. day. Yeah. I mean, it's very similar to my other spreadsheet, which is all the <laughs> <laughs> literary publications and magazines um, that I have submitted uh, my short fiction to and have gotten rejections from. And uh, that... I had a great, um, a great writing instructor who basically said, if you're getting rejection letters, you're doing it right. Because it means you're actually putting your story out there and someone is replying to it. Uh, so just keep going, you know, just put one foot in front of the other. Um, you know, when I was younger, I think I was definitely much more thin skinned and I thought, Oh, this means they don't like me. They don't like my work or, you know, it, I took it very personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but the great thing about turning 40 is you don't even care about that stuff anymore because, <laughs> because I like it. I mean, the most important thing is I like it and I like doing it. I like creating it. Um, you know, th- there's a couple things at play in terms of feedback and criticism. Um, and that's why I think I love taking writing workshops is that you, it, it builds up your ability to not only uh, receive, but also to give mm-hmm. feedback um, and how it's best communicated, right? Because if you, if you're, I guess it's kind of like talking to an employee who is, you know, underperforming and you can't say like, Hey, you know, you got to shape up or ship out. You know, you can't just go up to someone and say that. Um, you kind of have to find what you, you kind of have to approach it in such a way that it can land. Um, uh, well, a lot of metaphors in the last like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, lots of runways, lots of landing. Yeah. I love, uh, yeah. Maybe you ready for a f- trip somewhere. Yes, you know what? I haven't been on an airplane since January of 2020. So I think I'm just ready to, ready to travel. Um, but uh, <laughs> clearly but, it's coming through. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it seeps out in different ways, right? 
Um, I think that number one is uh, you, you have to put on this. How can I say this? Not so much that you put your heart on your sleeve, but you have to, do you have to believe in good faith that the other person is trying to help you? Mm-hmm. And so, and maybe they don't know the right words to say or something. Um, but you have to, you know, believe in good faith that they're trying to help you. And, and is it true that what they're saying, like if you boil it down, mm-hmm. if they're saying, oh, you're writing, it, it's too, you know, it's too meandering, it's not focused enough, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of being like, what? I, these sentences are taught and precise yeah. and et cetera, you know, just stop and step back and be like, oh, okay. Trying to see, I, I think this is where empathy comes through, you know, trying to yeah. see what they're trying to tell you. Um, and, you know, trying to see what they're trying to say. And I, I think that when you kind of take a step outside of yourself and outside of yourself as a, either a creator um, or or a, a developer of ideas, you know, whatever it is, just to kind of take a step out and be like, okay, what is it that they're trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. And um, is, is there some validity to what they're saying? Um, and because, you know, I, I don't think outside of celebrity gossip magazines, I don't think people are out to get you and to kind of have like this gotcha thing and, and be like, oh, this is all the ways in which you're terrible. I think most people are trying to help you and um, trying to help you improve. I think you're right that um, sometimes our ego gets in the way and our defenses go up and we don't hear what's coming back at us. And to be able to just, you know, just to take it and be quiet. Don't feel like you need to respond even and just receive, just receive it and see. But but obviously there are things in our blind spots that we just don't see and others can see it so clearly. Yes. But to have, yeah, but to have the, I think the confidence and the reassurance that, you know, let me just receive this. Let me sit with it. Let me see if I want to do something with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that thing that I want to do with it is ignore it, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. But not to bat it, you know, right off the right off the, not to bat it right off the bat. That doesn't sound right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yes, I know what you mean. And not to um, just kind of like ignore, you know, to yeah. to just like push it away. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of times it's uh, our defense mechanisms, right? Because yeah. it's uh, for whatever it is. Say it's. Uh, a piece of art that you've created, um, like a painting or a book or, or even if it's something as mundane as, you know, the dinner that you made or, or, you know, your latest resume, when someone gives you feedback, you can kind of take that in and decide how you want to proceed next. Mm-hmm. Um, if, as you said, if you even want to at all. Yeah. Um, but I think, think that for the most part it it requires it requires a stillness because i think when we are defensive it's a reaction yeah you're just automatic and sometimes it's like someone throws something at you you kind of stop you know 
okay, I'm ready to catch it and look at it and see what I want to do. Yeah, very well said. And I think for for many people out there, um, as, as you're listening to this, you know, with art, especially it's art and writing with anything that comes from your, from, from your heart and you've created, um, it's so subjective and, yes, you know, and it's, it's about the piece, but that piece is in you and to be able to kind of separate those two. Cause I've, I've found that as I was writing, uh, butterfly years, what because it was a because it is a memoir Mm -hmm. that people's reactions to it in the beginning but when I was first doing my first drafts was so important because I felt like I was so tied into that Mm. but it it's not me like if they didn't like it you know or if it had the sense and structure wasn't right or if I was rambling on or whatever that had nothing to do with me as a person that was just my writing style yes which is different but it's just I think it just takes um it takes that moment to just be still and say okay that's not about me it's just about this particular paragraph or this particular piece of art or this particular you know deliverable that I've worked on it's hard though Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah definitely it's hard and I think um you know, I think that in our society, we we put so much of our identity into what we do. I mean, even when you meet someone, yeah, like, oh, hi, do? what's your name? What do you do? It's never like, hi, what's your name? Who's your favorite? What's your favorite sporting team? You know, what's what's your favorite movie this year? Yeah. Like, no one, you know, it's always like, oh, what do you do? And then from there, it's okay. I, I think of my New York friends who say, yeah, the questions are, what do you do? Where do you live? <laughs> you know? And then from there, that's supposed to give someone a, oh, you're a writer. Oh, and you live in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Then they kind of, you know, have put yeah. you into a box already. Yes. Yes. So, um, but if they were to say, hi, you know, what's your name? And, you know, what did you eat for lunch? Yeah. You know, how, how is, how Can you imagine? <laughs> I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that line. Hi, I'm Joe. What's your name? Oh, what you eat for lunch today? Yeah. Uh, Did you like it? Oh yeah. I mean, because there's just uh, I, you know, I have been known in, in interviews um, <laughs> of, of talent, you know, when I was a recruiter of to ask some off the wall questions. Like, I oh, remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and interviews that would last like an hour long, right? Because it's just like, I, you know, once you, once you ask the right questions that are beyond like, oh, what do you do? Where do you want to work? Blah, blah, blah. But just kind of like, hey, what's a really cool movie you watched recently that you could recommend to me or a great album you listen to? And then you kind of get in, you know, people, people spark, you know, their, their spark comes out more yeah, like that. Um but because our society is very tied into like, oh, your career, that becomes, that, that just becomes a, a way to, to define yourself. Mm-hmm. But in fact, you're so much more than, than what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. We use that. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say that was something that, you know, for a long time when I did work full time as a recruiter, 
I was like, oh yeah, I'm a recruiter. I work with creatives. So, you know, creative directors, art directors, graphic designers, product designers, you know, everything, copywriters. Um, but then when you don't have that as a full-time job anymore, as a career anymore, you know, how do you define yourself? And, um, was that a long journey for you to kind of get to that realization, Joe? When you made no. that, you know, when that change happened? No, actually it, it was, um, it was both external and internal pushes, you know, mm-hmm. with the, with the great recession of 2009. Uh, I think that that, um, some friends, and I, we kind of had a, we called it the fun employed group mm-hmm. <laughs> where, you know, um, fun we were fun employed. <laughs> we were the fun employed group and we would meet up for breakfast at IHOP <laughs> and, you know, kind of brainstorm what we want to do next or how we're going to approach it. Um, and it was basically, you know, a support group. It was mm-hmm. like, a, it was a, a friends who, who turned into like a career support group. And uh, so for me, it was kind of like, oh, well, I'm no longer a recruiter, but yeah, I'm, I was okay. I, I didn't feel like, oh, now my identity is lost because mm-hmm. I have felt that for, for my entire life, I'm always a hyphenate, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm this and I'm that I'm this. And, you know, I'm, I'm first generation. I'm second generation. I'm Asian American. I'm Chinese American. I'm, you know, there's all these different hats that I've worn. So it's kind of like, okay, well now I'm, you know, former recruiter slash whatever next. You're still hyphenated. You're still proofreader. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Very, very true. Yeah. I think I, um, I, I, I like it. I like it. I yeah. like, I like, you know, gives dimension of things gives dimension. Yeah. So I'll ask you a final question. And this has to do with, um, networking again, uh, because mm-hmm. it's, it's new and it's a new Avenue for a lot of people, uh, clubhouse. <laughs> Have you given that a try? Um, I am on clubhouse. Um, Have I... you networked on clubhouse. I have not. Um, I have barely kind of dipped my toes in it. Uh, I I don't really have much to say about it now, except uh, you know what I'll say. And, and the irony: we're doing a podcast. I am not an audio learner. Mm-hmm. I am not an audio learner. That is um, ironic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for our fellow non-audio learners <laughs> who are listening to this, um, no. So I think with Clubhouse, you know, uh, uh, my friend had mentioned that he had found uh, some meditation groups on there that were interesting, um, some dating advice groups. Um, you know, I, I, I hopped around in there, listened to a couple things here and there. Um, I, I don't know. I'm part of me is part of me is trying to downsize all these different, all this different media. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But then the other part of me is, well, this is the new connection. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how, this is how we're going to move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, that this is just another avenue um, for connection, and you know, to to be open to that. So, That's why I brought it up, since you said right now you're curious about connection and disconnection. Yeah, it's curious. Um, I've just I'm a recent adoptee, uh, and I've been on some in some conversations that have been really impactful and I sat in on a on a, on a room I guess you call it, it wasn't a club I think mm-hmm. it's a room yesterday that was about mm. building your design team and oh. it was phenomenal I mean some of the, the speakers were great creatives talking about their own creative journey and talking about the bosses that they had in their creative journey. And now that they're in the leadership roles, kind of how they go about building their teams. I just found it yeah. fascinating. So I stumbled That's upon cool. that room and I thought, yeah. hmm, you know what, this, this is a good, this can be a good opportunity for a connection. Yeah. That's great. It can also take you down the rabbit hole. I think you can next suddenly be on it for bazillion yes. hours, which. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I that that's why it's like part of me is like, oh man, like another thing to add to my list of, you know, make the green juice, do this, do some stretches, feed the cats, add it to your list, Sudoku, <laughs> cat videos. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but then that's you know to to take it back to what I had said earlier. If I have too many daily tasks. You know, if I've got too many tasks going on, um, the inspiration won't come. The spigot. Yeah, won't. yeah. <laughs> you got to turn off yeah. the turn off the too many things and give you time to just yeah. Be turn quiet. off turn off the noise. To, yeah. Uh, uh, there is this great um, concept of just being still and just quote unquote bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like let the kids be bored and and not have to be on a device all the time or have all these activities, just let them sit. And that was one of my favorite things was growing up in, um, if you can imagine this, you know, growing up in the seventies and eighties and not having, uh, a whole lot to do on during summer vacation, you know, you just kind of sit at home and you're just putting around. Like my parents weren't shuttling me, uh, you know, around to like music class or, you know, learning Latin or ballet play or this and that, you know, not saying anything against that. I mean, for us, it was just a socioeconomic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, reality and being able to just kind of sit and just, all right, make up stories. That's how I kind of started making up stories. Hmm. Love that. I think on that note, uh, let's, let's bring our conversation to a close and allow, right. hopefully allow people to have an opportunity this weekend to just sit and make up some stories. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Artisan Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Artisan Creative, a staffing and recruitment firm specializing in creative, marketing, and digital talent. You can find us online at artisancreative.com or via social channels at Artisan Creative. We look forward to connecting.